0: We're gonna be in Colossians chapter one. uh, Sorry, chapter two today. Colossians chapter two. We're in the sixth week. Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough. Last Sunday. We spoke about how Paul was preparing the Christians at Colossae. He was he was giving them a theological foundation. So that they would be able to distinguish between true doctrine and false doctrine. Okay, So Paul was trying to give them all they needed as a church and as a group of people that followed Jesus. To combat heresy is the word. False doctrine. And last week we spoke and and, and ended with our text ending in verse 11. On our completeness in Jesus. And how we can be full and filled and our completeness should come from Jesus we made the statement that there is a Jesus sized hole in every single one of our hearts. And only he can fulfill it. And we can try to fulfill that with many different things, the things of this world. We can try. But at the end of the day it's for him and him alone. And so we take that and we move to the next verse of scripture in Colossians chapter 2. Today's sermon is simply titled this, The Heart of the Matter. The Heart of the Matter. Jesus finishes, I'm sorry, Paul finishes his speaking on Jesus in verse 10 last week, speaking of our completeness in Jesus. And here's where we pick up in verse 11. If you have your Bibles... Wonderful. If you don't, open up an app. If you don't, it's on the screen. You ready? Colossians chapter 2, beginning in verse 11, In Him, Jesus, also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with Him in baptism, in which you were also raised with Him through faith in the powerful working of God, who raised Him from the dead. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses. By canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands, this he set aside, nailing it to the cross. Aren't you thankful? He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him, This is all about Jesus this morning. Jesus is enough. And I pray this morning as we jump into this that we will understand as Paul is trying to explain to the Christians at Colossae that Jesus truly is enough and more theological truths to ground us in him so that we are prepared for the rest of the book of Colossians which is going to talk to us about being a better a better father and a better wife and a better employee and a better employer but we need to understand these theological truths so that we can fully and biblically play the role that God has given us in this season of our lives i want us to see firsthand this morning i want us to see true believers marked by Christ True believers marked by Christ. I understand the irony and the fact that this is the fifth Sunday and our elementary students are in here today. But let's read verse 11 and 12 again. You ready? Parents, you can explain it on the way home if you need to. In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God. Who raised him from the dead. Paul identifies here uh, what it means to be a true follower of Jesus, to experience that fullness or the completeness in Christ. How, what does that look like, okay? To experience the fullness and the completeness in Christ. And so naturally, Paul would talk about circumcision. All right. So he mentions circumcision and baptism. Okay, he mentions these two elements. In, this, in these two verses in this text. Circumcision was the Old Testament covenant sign that identified the children of Israel as the people of God. You remember uh, as a kid, I, I, I guess it was because uh, student pastors and, and kids ministry workers back in the day just talked about David and Goliath a whole lot. I don't know. But it was always, I remember the fact that the, the Philistines... Uh, Goliath's people were uncircumcised and David, God's people, they were circumcised. And and so I remember being a little kid going, okay, cool. I have no idea what that really means, but hey, it's good as like a seven-year-old boy. Um, But Jewish boys would be circumcised on the eighth day as had been established throughout their tradition and history. But notice in this text that there was... That he speaks to Jesus and he speaks to this true believer. And it says that they were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. So he then turns the analogy to baptism. And I'll come back. He turns the analogy to baptism, which is the New Testament sign. So the Old Testament visible sign was circumcision. The New Testament visible sign for a heart transformation was baptism. The gospel comes and transforms your heart. And you publicly display that through baptism. So under the law, believers were marked by their circumcision. Under grace, believers are marked by their baptism or their tangible public display of their faith. And may I say this, if you have trusted in Jesus and He is your Lord and Savior and you have never taken the step of baptism this morning, that is, I'll repeat, that is the New Testament mark Of a follower of Jesus. Is baptism. So the New Testament mark of a believer. No one knows what went on inside inside your heart. Even though that is the most important thing. But no one knows what went on inside your heart. But you know what people do know? That you are buried and identified with him in his death. And that you have been raised in the likeness of his resurrection. And you're walking in newness of life. They do know that. And so the Old Testament mark of salvation circumcision, the New Testament mark of salvation, being baptism. The key to each of these acts, these tangible acts, whether Old Testament circumcision or New Testament baptism, was that either of these acts that are isolated mean nothing. And I won't go much Old Testament here with you. Let's stay New Testament. In and of itself, getting baptized... Without heart regeneration is nothing more than getting your clothes wet. Let me say that. I don't know what your church background is. Let me as kindly as I can say that. Baptism without heart regeneration is getting your clothes wet. But baptism with heart generation is the public display of the gospel in your life. It all centers on the heart. The heart. The heart of the matter. In fact, in Scripture, speaking of Old Testament circumcision, in Scripture it is often said this, the circumcision of the heart. So not the cutting away of your physical flesh, but the cutting away of your heart to make room for Jesus. The cutting away of your heart for Him to reside. The cutting away of this old man in this old sinful nature in order for him to reside. There must be, this morning, there must be true gospel heart conversion, Paul is saying. It's not about your circumcision. It's not about your baptism. It is about are you, have you truly been transformed by the powerful working of God? Outward expression is important, but outward expression with no inward conversion is meaningless. So true believers will be first and foremost marked by Christ. They'll be marked by Christ. Plus nothing, minus nothing. You say, Josh, are you downplaying baptism? In a way, I'm actually playing it up even more. I am saying that if you're a true believer, the only way that anyone knows it is by your baptism. That's what I'm saying. But I'm saying, if you've been baptized without being a true believer, you're doing what the Old Testament, what the Jews in the New Testament were doing. Hey, I'm circumcised. I must be a follower of Jesus. Hey, I'm circumcised. I'm, I, I'm, I'm good. Hey, I'm baptized. I'm good. No, it's, it's, it's being transformed by the powerful working of God in your Life. And we're going to build upon this. You ready? You made it through the first one. If I didn't make you mad, we're good. Now, everything is peachy the rest of the way. Secondly, I want us to see this. that we So first of all, true believers marked by Christ. Secondly, raised together to live in Christ. Raised together to live in Christ. We're going to be back in verse 11, okay? Uh, I'm sorry, back in verse 12. Back in verse 12. Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him, through faith in the powerful working of God, that working of God who raised him, Jesus, from the dead. Verse 13. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses. He once again speaks to the uncircumcision, but notice it's the uncircumcision of your flesh. He's speaking once again to that outward circumcision you remember what Paul told the these believers in Colossae just I believe it was last week because Tim you were two weeks ago so I believe it was last week at the beginning of our text in Colossians chapter 2 and verse 6 you remember what he said therefore as you received Christ Jesus the Lord so walk in him you remember that verse last week the same way you received him by grace through faith you should walk in him By grace, through faith. And I made this statement. Far too many Christians believe that they became a believer by grace through faith. But they must live their Christian life by law through works. That's not the case. It's not the case. A major part of the gospel and its impact in our lives is in our walk. It's in our daily lives. The same way you believed in him, you should walk in him. And this text, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time here today, but this text tells us that God made us alive in Jesus. That we were buried with him and that we were raised with him. Once again, it's the gospel, it's what baptism signifies. But listen, we were buried. What does that mean this morning? That that means that our sin nature and our old man, the who we were, the by default sinner, that person, it was buried. It was buried. And our old nature was gone. And when we, when, we, when we resurrected with Jesus, we came out with a new nature, with a Savior, with a Holy Spirit inside of us. And an and, and old nature gone forever. God made you alive. He resurrected you. He gave you himself and his nature in exchange for your old nature. And now he offers you this life of walking in his forgiveness. Of walking With him And Paul, once again, is setting the theological foundation. If we don't understand this truth that we have been raised with Christ to walk a resurrected new life, if we think we can just pray a prayer and invite Jesus in and continue on doing everything we've ever done and nothing ever changes in our lives, no, Paul is saying, no, when you have been resurrected in Him, you are walking in a new manner. And Paul is saying, you need to understand this. Because I'm about to teach you practical things, but you must understand this before you can be a good husband, before you can be a good wife, before you understand everything else I'm going to tell you. God made a way through Jesus to give you life abundant, abundant. There's much more that could be said here. But it mentions the forgiveness at the end of the, verse 13. And may I say this? Jesus forgave you once and for all on the cross. Jesus did not simply give you mercy. Right? Mercy is sparing you from the penalty of your sin. But Jesus also gave you grace, offering you a life of resurrection power and abundance. You say, Josh, why are we just preaching about the gospel? Because the gospel is the most important thing that you will ever encounter in your life. And You say, I encountered it as a kid. You need to encounter the gospel every single day. For it is not the starting point, it is the race. Okay, it's not the A, it's the A to Z. Jesus offers you grace, this life of abundance, this life everlasting, this life of walking with Him in the Spirit. And Paul is teaching this church at Colossae that listen, God has performed a work in you through Jesus Christ. The gospel has come, you have received this gospel now walk like it. Live in Christ. Live like it. How did he do this though? How did he, how did Jesus make us alive in his resurrection? Look at our third point this morning in verse 14. Our debt is forever canceled or canceled forever by Christ. Our debt Canceled forever by Christ. How did he do it? Verse 14, by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities, put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. This is the theological part. Pay attention with me. If you don't want to learn theology from God's word, I'm going to... Keep feeding it to you until you want to learn theology from God's Word. Here's theology. Are you ready? How did Jesus kill our sinful nature, offer us a resurrected life in Him? This is part of the theological term atonement. Atonement. This is part of the atonement. Matthew Henry's commentary uh, says it like this. Receiving the atonement is our actual reconciliation to God. In justification. Grounded upon Christ's satisfaction. Okay. We'll pause. Jesus on the cross satisfied our debt. Satisfied our debt. Okay. So we were reconciled to God in justification at our salvation. But that was grounded upon the fact that Christ satisfied our debt. We believers... Now in this life, received the atonement, okay, that satisfaction, that reconciliation to God, which was typified by the sacrifices under the law, but now it is an earnest or a down payment or a measure of things to come of our happiness in heaven. The atonement. The atonement is a rich doctrine that we're not going to be able to fully unpack this morning. But may I say this you owed a debt. And Paul wanted the believers in Colossae to understand that they owed a debt, and it was called a sin debt. And no one was, could get away from this. No one was exempt from this debt. We all have it. And as Jesus was on the cross, and he cried out, it is finished, and his life was taken, or he gave his life, He atoned for the sins of the world. He satisfied the debt with his blood that was shed on the cross. And that's why we can sing, Sarah. Awesome job this morning, by the way, Sarah. That's why we can sing, thank you, Jesus, for the blood. And if it stopped there, that'd be one thing. But the blood applied. The atonement is the satisfaction of the wrath of God in Jesus Blood had to be shed to pay for sin. Blood had to be shed. Death had to come. And, he, and Jesus came and he paid it. He paid sin's debt for all eternity. There was a debt listed with your name and your social security number attached to it. Every single one of us. A debt that we owed that we must pay. And the Bible tells us that debt was sin and that the result of that debt was death. But I'm here this morning as Paul, I'm not Paul, but I'm here as he said, to proclaim to you that Jesus paid your debt. He canceled your debt. He paid the penalty for you, your sin debt. He did it on the cross. You say, why was Jesus worthy? Because he was the only one perfect. Perfect blood, holy blood was shed on the cross. You say, Josh, what does all this mean? There's a lot of theology here. And as I mentioned last week, and we've joked, I'm not trying to stay in Colossians forever. We could really dive into some of these things and we could speak a whole sermon on atonement. Those last two verses. Because it not only talks about atonement there, but it even gets into a little bit of spiritual warfare. And we know we could talk about spiritual warfare for a long time. So what is the crux of, the, of this text? What is the crux of these five verses or so? And it is this. Paul was after heart transformation in the believers in Colossae. Paul needed the Christians at Colossae to grasp the fact that Jesus wanted their heart it was not about visible circumcision it was not about baptism it was about surrender to Christ's work in your heart with the heart man believes with the mouth confession is made And so I'm here today on behalf of Paul to ask you how is your heart with God How is your heart? You say, what do you mean by that, Josh? Do you have a moldable, soft, pliable, flexible heart when it comes to your spiritual life and your relationship with Jesus? You say, okay, well, what does that mean? Does anything move your emotions in the spiritual world? Oh, man, everything moves my emotions politically. Well, congratulations. Well, everything moves my emotions athletically. Okay. Man, everything moves my emotions in my hobbies. Cool. Cool. Are your emotions ever moved spiritually? And I don't mean crying. Some people do. Some people, that is the way they express it. But you know your heart. And I'm asking you, is your heart far from God? or is, And what would that look like? That would look like a cold heart. A stiff heart. A heart that was not pliable. A heart that was unmovable. That we could... Speak of the wonderful grace of God and the blood that Jesus shed for us and the fact that He rose again for us and that He wants to live in us and we're just indifferent. That we could speak of the life He wants us to live and, and the things that Jesus has for us and, 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 and the life that he, and he brings with us and His Spirit and what it does in our hearts and lives and we are cold, Indifferent. You ever been there? I have. The things that would move me on an emotional level, on a heart level, there have been seasons of my life where those things no longer move me. Spiritually. I've been there. For 16 years, I've served in full-time ministry. There were seasons of those 16 years where I served in full-time ministry with a heart that was somewhat indifferent. And some of y'all work at fill in the blank, and you've been working there for X amount of years, and you've also worked spiritually indifferent. Don't look at me like I'm crazy. All right? I'm asking you, how's your heart this morning? If you're a believer in Jesus and a follower of Jesus, and if you were honest with yourself today, that your heart is not what it should be. It's not, that, that emotion is no longer there. That connection is no longer there. I want to encourage you today that you might need to wake up tomorrow morning or go home today and look yourself in the mirror and say, Paul said in Colossians chapter 2 and verse 12 that I was raised with Jesus through faith in the powerful working of God. I was raised with Jesus by the powerful working of God. If I believe this, if I believe this book, if I believe that this word is true, and we need to say, God, soften my heart. God, if I see another tragedy come across the news, may my heart break for that tragedy. May my first instance not be my opinion of the details of everything. May as a Christian and as a follower of Jesus, my posture be prayer is my first line of defense. It's my first reaction. It's the first thing I do. It's not the last straw. When all else fails, let's pray about it. Well, when you've done all you can... Talk to Jesus. No, before you do anything, before you say anything, may our hearts be tender and drawn back to Jesus. Can I, can I, we got three minutes here before I want to be done. Can I say that like this type of talk was strongly given to me as a teenager, but I felt like, and, and I think it was good. But I don't know this talk, this heart, going after your heart and being moldable and, and being surrendered in your heart is talked to adults enough. I think we sometimes get to the point where we're like, that's just how I am. I'm a cold hearted, I was about to use an acronym that I probably didn't use in the pulpit. <laughs> I'm a cold hearted son of a preacher. Um, I'm a cold, I'm just, that's just the way I am, man. Like that's, I'm just, I'm just a grizzled, Man, can I say to you grown adults, some of you older than me, I won't call you out. (laughs) Your heart needs to be moldable by Jesus. There's a man, he's not here today, so I'll talk about him. I won't say his name. There's a man who, told me, who has told me on multiple occasions that I've been in church my entire life. And they started coming here a couple years ago. And he said, my heart is more tender and surrendered to Jesus now than it has ever been. And this man is over 50 years old. Listen, adults, grown-ups, grown, grown ups, he's after your heart. And I don't know about you, but for, I'm going to be just straight up with you. About once a week, I need to check myself. Maybe even more, let's be real, maybe twice a week. Am I operating with a guarded heart, with a wall, or am I operating like Play Doh? Am I operating like a rock, or am I operating like a sponge? And Paul was saying, you can be baptized, you can be circumcised. Doesn't matter. Old Testament, New Testament. But if your heart is not right with Jesus, it does not matter. And so I ask you this morning, adult, teenager, because you need to hear this, elementary students in this room this morning, because you need to hear it, is your heart right with God? is your heart right. And you say Josh, what are some things I can think, okay, think through? What was your first reaction when fill in the blank? Something that should have moved you spiritually. What was your first reaction when that happened? When you saw that? When you experienced that? What was your first reaction when someone professes faith in Christ? What's your first reaction when we have a a situation in our church that requires much prayer and we come together and we pray. What what is your response? What is your emotion? And if your emotion is non-existent, then ask God to break your heart again and to break it again and to break it again and to break it again until it becomes moldable. You know what I'd love? Aaron's going to tell us in a couple of weeks, We're going to have a church planner come in who's going to Boulder, Colorado. I'm going to make a statement on that Sunday. If God is calling you and your family and you think God would ever call you to be a part of a church plant in Boulder, Colorado, man, I would love for you to be a part of that church plant. Please come talk to me. What are you talking about, man? I'm an adult. I got my job. I got my life. I got my family. I got my kids. I got my, I got my, I got my, 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 my. I'll ask you, I can tell you the most best times in my, heart, in my heart is when someone comes through and I go, man, I want so bad to go to Boulder. God, would you, like, would you let me go with them? The guy's like, dude, shut up, sit down. I've told you this is where I want you. There's going to be another one in a- August the 12th. Josue Rodriguez planting a church in Charlotte, North Carolina for Spanish-speaking first-generations. And English-speaking second and third generation Latino people. A huge need in the Spanish-speaking world. We have, there are Spanish-speaking people. Don't get me started. Man, I was supposed to shut up. I'm sorry. Spanish-speaking people whose mom and dad go to Spanish church, whose kids go to English churches. That ain't right. That's not good. It's not good. He is trying to bridge that gap. I can't wait for you to meet him. Awesome guy. God. I don't speak Spanish. I can, I, I'm fluent in restaurant Spanish. Like, I, am, I can order whatever needs to be ordered in Spanish at a restaurant. I probably know a few curse words that people taught me over the years that I'm not really sure what they mean, but I know they're bad. Um, that's really it. I can invite you to church in Spanish. That's about all I can do. But, God, like, I have a heart for that. Are hearts moldable, pliable? Anywhere you lead me, I will follow. That wasn't the way I wanted to conclude today, but the Holy Spirit threw that curveball at you. How's your heart? Be prepared. Your strings are going to get pulled. Be prepared. God sometimes plays on your emotions. Be prepared. He uses them for His glory. How's your heart? I'm, I'm going to shut up. Heavenly Father. Thanks for listening today. If you're listening for the first time, we would love to hear from you. Maybe you have a question about the gospel of Jesus. If so, we'd like you to send us an email at hello at keystone rdu.church. If you're a regular listener to our podcast and you would like to donate to the media and outreach ministries at Keystone, Your gift would allow us to do more in an effective way to get the gospel out. Thank you for partnering with us in ministry in Durham and around the world.